You gotta Google it. Now, back to Stani and Guru on 95.7 The Game. Well, the real 49er fans, Man. please stand up. Please stand up. <laughs> Evan Giddings with Daryl the Guru Johnson. Stani's going to be back as soon as he gets over his hip surgery. He's feeling all right, though. He's on the up. So are the 49ers, man. Again, we are hosting the city of Santa Clara. Not we. Is hosting the NFC Championship for the second time in five years. They're hosting an NFC Championship game for the fourth time in the last five years. The Niners are in the Final Four game. And they have a chance to get to the Super Bowl to play the winner of either Baltimore or Kansas City. Goo, I look. I'll be going to the game. I was just talking to Lucas Alexander, director of sports, about you know all the, all the parking arrangements where we're going. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> I love you. That's what the title says. But like, I'm excited to be going to this game. You I'm should. excited to be driving down on Sunday. And you should. And Niner fans should have their chest out. And I don't just want to, you know, come across as I don't understand the the. Um, how heavy this is when you talk about getting to this plateau. Um, I mean, the Niners should be proud. All I want for Kyle Shanahan more than any other player on the team, Evan, this is going to sound crazy, is I want you to get credit for your work. And if you're out there driving or listening, you're saying, what work? The work that Kyle and John put in in 2019, actually before 19, you had a chance to get a Super Bowl. You've had multiple other chances in NFC Championship games that you played in that I thought you were better than the other team, but for whatever reason, you couldn't close. Put the coffee down. So now... Now, here you go again. You talked about it the second time in five years. You got the Lions on grass. We haven't even talked about if you want to go there, Evan, that offense or that team is just a different team on grass. So, I mean, everything is pointing up for the Niners to punch that ticket and go to Viva Las Vegas, man. Yeah, look, the Lions are, look, I mean, they're good on the road this year yeah. for, for most people's standards. Six and three on the road. They got losses to the Ravens. They got absolutely dismantled by Baltimore in Week 7. That they did. They had a bad loss to the Chicago Bears in Week 14, got Justin beaten by Fields. Justin Fields, <laughs> and then the loss on the road to your boys in Dallas. Of course, the infamous two-point play. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, I forget that. Dude, that was a hell of a game. It was, but look, I'm, I'm this is a team that can be had. You're right, on the road. They've only had uh, two home losses this season, one against Green Bay, who, of course, the Niners just saw how tough they were, and then an overtime loss to Seattle earlier on in Week 2 this year. So this is a much different team outside of the Dome, outside of Ford Field, and that should play a factor into this, too. I believe it's one of the reasons why the the Lions are seven-point underdogs, and the Niners are confident, in my opinion, that they should be advancing to to the Super Bowl. Uh, Manny's in Redwood City. Apologize, cut you off there before the break on the opposite side. What's up, Manny? How you feeling, man? Hey, I'm ready for this game on Sunday. Uh, I feel like the Lions are trying to emulate our game. They try to they try to mirror our game, our team. They got their run game uh, to start it off, and then they try to you know get the get the receivers out there. But uh, I think the experience is going to make the difference, man. Because uh, we're the dogs in the fight. We're the big dogs. We got the experience. I got Bosa over Hutch. I got McCaffrey over Montgomery and Gibbs. Whoever they want to throw at us. Uh, I'm on Raw is nice. I'm not going to lie. They have some good rookies, but the experience is what's going to make the difference, man. And, uh, you know, they got to come see us. They got to come to Levi's. We ain't going to Detroit. Mm. And when they see all those red jerseys, they're going to be shook, man. I don't want these soft-ass 
uh, Niner fans at the game talking about they, they. It's one thing to respect your opponent, but it's another thing to fear him, fear him. And I don't fear these kids, man. They're they're the juniors in the fight, man. They they're coming for the chance, man. And we're here to take. This them is down. what we've been so, asking for. This is what we were asking for. That was it. Bravado and experience, Johnny. That's yeah. a big part of it. He Shout out to our guy D Lou on YouTube donating four ninety nine to say the following: The Niners will win. Evan and Guru, no doubt. Operation Vegas on full tilt. Let's go. I, boy, man, five dollars for that. I don't like making stuff about me, but Spadoni Evan, cut, I, cut that, I came up with Operation Whatever. I feel like I don't get the credit. Mr. System of the Show. <laughs> I come up whatever the I, I said, okay, where's the championship game play that? And then you put Operation in front of that city. I've been doing it for years, but I feel like people are stealing it. <laughs> anyway, I just Vegas. I said it. I mean, hasn't the military been doing that for like a hundred plus years? <laughs> People have put operation before <laughs> words before. <laughs> oh, got the game boy. operation too. No, that, dude. That, hey, don't sleep on it. We got it at the house. Shout out team operation. Oh boy, San Francisco 49ers. That's too good. Ryan in San Jose. What's up, man? How you doing? It's to be on. You ask and you shall receive. You want to do a true Niner fan, so I'm calling in. Uh-oh. Um, oh. As to ask your question as to why Niner fans are not hyped up about this game as is, uh, is years and priors, is there's a lot of factors that go into it. Number one, <clears throat> the Niners don't fear the Lions as they did teams like the Eagles last year or the Seahawks 10 years ago. You know, we're the favorite in this game. We're supposed to win this game. So when you already <laughs> have a, uh, you know, a, a, a an expectation to win. It's not going to be as the anxiety and the anxiety, the anxiety um, uh, as well as the anticipation is not going to create the, the, um, the excitement as in years past. Mm. And I'll use myself as an example. I feel like if the Niners, if they can't get past Detroit, then they really wasn't going to uh, have a chance to beat the Ravens or the Chiefs in the Super Bowl anyway. So that so a lot of Niner fans are mm. really, to be honest with you, we're looking at the uh the Ravens and the Chiefs game more closely than we are, you know, even this game. Because uh like I said, if we can't get past Detroit, we would we wasn't gonna win the chip anyway. And um and another thing is, you know, Detroit is a new team, the team that we haven't ever even faced in the playoffs from my recollection. So when you just don't have that that familiarity with, you know, your uh, opponent that you've faced in previous years, just like we have with, you know, Green Bay, for example, you're just not going to have um, the same anticipation looking forward, like the Bills, of course, and the Chiefs would. So that's the way I see it. So I just want to get your take on it. Well, yeah, look, I do think there are a lot of people that, believe the Niners are going to win this game, win it handily, and then it's about, okay, well, what's going to happen between Kansas City and Baltimore? And so maybe there is some of that overlook in Detroit, who is a new team you don't know much about. They're from a likable city. Like, if 49ers, if the 49ers weren't in the playoffs and the Lions were playing the Cowboys, okay. 49ers fans would be, be rooting for the Lions. The Lions are a lovable team. They're America's favorite right now. They're the darling because they haven't been here. And they haven't been to the Super Bowl ever. Yeah. So 
the Niners are looked at as kind of the bullies to the Lions, and they're David to the Goliath. Everyone to slice it. I mean, they're seven-point underdogs. I, I feel that. But to me, it's such a it's a rare position to be in playing for a chance to go to the Super Bowl number one, but to be hosting an NFC championship game. You know, I, I just look, I, I live in the mission, I live in the city. I have not seen as much of the the scarlet and red and people hyping themselves up upside, you know, rolling down yeah. the block, bumping music, the Niners flags that you see on going heading down to the Levi Stadium like always. I haven't seen as much of that this year as I did last year for a road game. And I just thought it was a little strange. You know what, Evan? That that's interesting. And again, I'll just say uh we had a caller a couple calls back. I mean, he had his chest stuck out and rightfully so. But you know, they are the favorite, and they are the heavy favorite, and it almost cost them last weekend. And I just go back to that thought process as to maybe that's why we're not hearing a lot of talking because they think it's easy street. But as far as the players themselves, I felt like that was also the lesson that they learned in this, Evan, the one that they were blessed to to get handed uh, another opportunity is they're not going to take this Detroit team lightly. And, again, I'm not saying they did, but if somebody told me behind closed doors, hey, go. You know, as a whole, as a team, we had a couple weeks off. We knew we could handle Green Bay. I don't think that will happen versus Detroit. But, Evan, as far as the bumper stickers and the, you know, the stuff outside, I, I don't get it. And maybe that will be on blast for two weeks if they take care of business and get to the Super Bowl and then we see it all have it look like the first time, you know, 1981 when they were playing the Bengals, old school. Yeah, and no, look. I mean, this kind of, this town's going to explode if they have a chance explode. to go and, and win to the Super Bowl. There, there's no Great doubt. Word, explode, and, and maybe it's just the fact that they've been here so often, so recently uh-huh. that this is just expected. And and I think pe- most people did expect them to be at this point again. They might have had them playing a different team, but the Niners looked like off of last off season that they were going to be loaded. They went out and they got Hargrave. They extended Bosa. They got they moved on from Trey Lance. They went all in on Brock Purdy, and it's been. Rewarded with a number one seed season and a host of the NFC Championship, or a host throughout the entire playoffs. So I, I think that plays into it too. The expectation of the 49ers being here. All I'm saying is that to do what they've done for the last five years, even though they have not won a Super Bowl, it is rare. And it does suck that they haven't won it, and it is heartbreaking and it's ripping. But again, there are other teams. And like if, if Baltimore, for example, gets upset. By Kansas City, I mean that's, that's gonna... not even an upset to me. But I get, I hear what you're saying. Well, just I mean, like yeah. betting, betting yeah. underdog. Gotcha. You know that that yeah. will be an upset. They've been the number one team all year. They've been historically great. Just like the Niners' offense has been historically great. I feel like this is their best shot to go win it. And so, sure, it is absolutely going to hurt if they don't do it. But to me, that that doesn't take away from the anticipation of the excitement of the event itself. Right. All right. I hear you know, you. At least, I, I don't know. Well, yeah, I don't disagree. I just, you know, if somehow this doesn't, uh, and I don't want to go down negative street, but I'll just throw this at you and the listeners, Evan. If somehow they lose this game, this would be three NFC Championship losses in a row. Uh, I would get vibes of, of Andy Reid in Philadelphia who went to four and, and got to one Super Bowl. So uh, Niner fans don't want any part of that. It's about being positive and getting to the Super Bowl. So we'll see, Evan. And I'm telling you, I don't got no dog in the fight, but I'm from the Bay, so I don't hate the Niners. I'm rooting for the fans. I, 
I got friends and family and my dad with the ticket for the Niners not only to win the NFC, to win the Super Bowl. Evan, your boy might go to Vegas, not the game. Just go to Vegas to watch the game in a venue that would be like you were at the game. Like, that's on the table for your boy. Like I'm Operation ready to do Vegas. That. <laughs> Operation yeah, Vegas. Yeah, you know the origin. <laughs> <laughs> Comcast business text uh, line. Uh, from the 669, real 49ers fans right here. Can't call me because I'm at work. Appreciate you listening. Uh, 49ers are winning this game. The score doesn't matter. There's no way our season ends on this Sunday. The time is now. I do think there's a large contingency of fans that feel that way as well. Yeah. 888-957-9570 is the number if you want to get in on the conversation. A couple of notes to report from uh, down in Santa Clara. Kyle Shanahan expressing that Debo Samuel, Man. a limited participant, of course, much better than him missing practice. Yes, it is Thursday, but that is a trend in the right direction for Debo Samuel, who is listed as a 50-50, according to Adam Schefter, after suffering a shoulder injury in the divisional round game against the Packers. One thing that, that Shanahan said yesterday, I know he's talking at the podium today. He talks every single week. Also, Steve Wilkes is available today. He's going to be talking as well. But one thing that Shanahan said yesterday was, we were talking about Jared Goff, right? And you felt that was a little disrespectful towards him. Well, here's what Kyle Shanahan had to say about what Goff is able to do and the type of scheme, essentially, that he plays in. I think he's showing some of the stuff that he did in L.A. I mean, you go with Jared, I mean, he built for a number of years, especially, you know, I think 17, 18, really 18. I mean, he played at MVP-type level um, when Jared's... Um, when they give him a good scheme, when he's got good people around him, um, Jared's going to always find the spot. He's as accurate as any quarterback I've seen. Um, he can play at a very top level. If you sit and make things easy for him, um, he will gas you. I've seen it over and over, whether it's with the Rams, whether it's with Detroit, and um, that's why you challenge it. You better be on your stuff or you can embarrass you fast. Now, uh, our, the, the great Mark Grandy, producer for the afternoon show, did a fantastic job of, of just kind I of editing this a little bit down. Let's see how different it sounds if you take out Goff in the reference. He played at MVP-type level. Give him a good scheme when he's got good people around him. He's going to always find the spot. He's as accurate as any quarterback I've seen. Um, He can play at a very top level. If you sit and make things easy for him, um, he will gas you. I've seen it over and over. Um, That's why you challenge it. You better be on your stuff or you can embarrass you fast. (laughs) <laughs> See, guys, wow, I love that, man. What'd you make of that, game? Yeah, man, you could have inserted uh, a huh? bunch of... Who? <laughs> man. Who, who could you I, have I inserted <laughs> for, for Jared and Goff there? Uh, I have no idea. You know, if you make things easy for him, if you put weapons around him, he plays, you know, an MVP level, and he's he's accurate, he can gas you, but, you know, pretty much if everything is just set up for him on a silver platter. <laughs> I'll tell you what, uh, Kyle, you didn't mention that Goff three and six against your Niners, you know, against the Niners. So he has not fared well um, against Kyle Shanahan and this team in the red and gold. But at the end of the day, Evan, uh, he's on a new team, right? This is Detroit Lions. Mm -hmm. They're rolling. So we'll see. We're all excited. And um, I got to ask you this. I'm not being negative. Would you take him over Purdy? Because you said earlier you you wouldn't take him over – our guy from oh Green Jordan Bay, Love Jordan Love, and I didn't I didn't I thought you were being not unfair but too caught up in the moment. Oh, I just think well, I've also been been caught up in the last like ten weeks that Jordan Love has been playing at an elite level. Yeah. So I, I think Jordan Love is a more dynamic quarterback than both Jared Goff and right. Brock Purdy. But if you're asking me between Purdy Brock and Goff, and Goff yeah. I would take Brock okay. because 
I think they do similar things in the pocket, and Goff might even be a little more accurate than Brock Purdy is, but Purdy, he improvises much better than Jared Goff does. And that is something I do think you need come postseason time because the pocket is inevitably going to break down. You're not going to have a clean opportunity to throw every single play. You're going to have to make moves with your legs. And remember, one of the big plays on that last drive against Green Bay was... We talked about the spin move. Purdy scooting out of the pocket and running for nine yards to set up that touchdown run. That is something I cannot envision Jared Goff doing. And that, to me, is the separation between the two. Yeah, and we'll see it all play out, but Again, like I said, maybe I should have said arm talent, uh, you know, throws outside the hashes. Uh, Jared Goff, to me, you know, a lot of that I'm basing on my decision in regard to me taking Goff. But Evan, I mean, this is second time in the NFC Championship game with the, with a different team. And we could say, oh, it was McVay, it was this or that. But, I mean, he's proven himself to be a stud, man. That's Jared Goff. So we'll see how he – how successful he is trying to uh, carve up this Niner defense. I, I also think with Goff, too, and, and this is kind of a, a larger point that I think we've been exposed to in the playoffs and, and really have been the last few years. It's like all the best quarterbacks are in the AFC. I mean, the majority of the best quarterbacks yeah. are in the AFC. Burrow, Mahomes, Burrow, Jackson, Mahomes, I got you. Lamar, yeah. Josh Allen. I mean, they got guys up and down the list. C.J. Stroud now. C.J. Stroud is, is a budding rookie. Like, in the NFC, you, you might have seen the divisional round, the, the the kind of matchup we're going to see in the playoffs the next few years. Purdy versus Love. Yeah. Jared Goff is a top three or top four NFC quarterback. Are you done with Hurts, or are you going to give him a pass? Maybe he was hurt. He was an MVP runner-up a year ago, so I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna write him off. How about Dak? Dak is is a solid quarterback. He hasn't played well in the postseason, right. and that's his been major his major shortcoming. But he was a second team All Pro in the regular season this year. Yeah. You know, I I don't know if he deserved to be voted over Purdy, but he was certainly one of the second or third best quarterbacks. Um, you know, statistically speaking, in the league. It's just interesting to me that, you know, when you look at the quarterback position, I think Shanahan is talking about a lot of guys, and a lot of those dudes are in the NFC, the guys that that need good surroundings, that need weapons, that need everything to kind of go their way. He is talking about primarily NFC quarterbacks. Like, for example, uh, Trevor Lawrence. He's solid, right? Had a 27-point lead in the playoffs. Uh, he came back, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. He's got came back the from third the... greatest comeback in postseason history right. on his belt. Okay, He's like the sixth or seventh best quarterback in his conference. You know, so, I mean, the Niners don't have to worry about the dynamic signal callers and the way that teams on the other side of the conference do. Like, Jordan Love might be the biggest dual threat that they have to face because I also think Jordan Love is he's a much better passer than Jalen Hurts is. And Hurts can hurt you more with his legs, but Jordan Love is the probably the the, the epitome of a, of a dual threat quarterback, someone that gives the Niners defense trouble. Like that's another reason why I feel confident that the defense can not only get to Goff but but contain a little bit better is because they've played well against guys that 
play inside the pocket. Yeah. They struggle against dual-threat quarterbacks. I know Joe Burrow diced him up, but I think he's in a different category. Okay, and that's why it's just imp- – and Evan, I don't disagree, but that's why it's just so imperative that you make Jared Goff uncomfortable. And you are right. He's limited in regard he, – he's not Michael Vick, but can you imagine a scenario to where they're not getting home, uh, Detroit's having success running the ball, now we talk about top, time of possession. I mean – you know, I'm sitting here like, oh, my God, and maybe that's what Marks was talking about, this being a bad matchup for the Niners. I don't agree. I don't know as much football as Marks, but you're right. He is a sitting duck. He is a target back there uh, compared to Jordan Love. So can the Niners front or D get after him? And, Evan, we've seen games, and you just mentioned it. It was a great example of Joe Burrow, who some could see mid feet, but he didn't even need to have uh, quick feet against this Niners team because he was first read, bam, ball was out. And we seen Matt Stafford kind of do it to the Niners. Oh, you couldn't get to him because the ball was out. So that's the beautiful thing about football. The game is going to be played in so many um, – there's so many uh, things at play as to what's going to be important and what's not. And the Niners' defensive line, to me, is the biggest part of how this game's going to play out. Well, and I think that's why Mark was saying it's a tough matchup for the Niners. I I don't think he was speaking about the quarterback. I think he was talking about the Lions' run game. Mm -hmm. And... Even though he also mentioned like the the, the, the 49ers on offense shouldn't change what they do to combat the the, the Lions. I don't think Detroit's going to change what they do either. They want to run the ball. And from what they saw last week and what Green Bay could do, they probably feel pretty good about their chances. No doubt, E. No doubt. David Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs. I mean, those de- and these guys can catch the ball out of the backfield. That's a big part of this. Too. So you know, I, I you know when, what Evan? You send yeah. those guys, St. Brown and company, down the field, and then blop like that works. Well, against the Buccaneers in their win, I thought the offense opened up for Detroit when they got Gibbs moving out of the backfield. I mean, you can Dude. just dump it off and he'll... I was like, throw it to him! Take it for 15 yards, yeah. yeah no because doubt. you got to worry about Amon Ra getting busy over the middle of the field. you got to worry about Jamison Williams, who's got speed to take the top off the defense. You do have to worry about Sam Laporta and his ability to hurt you downfield. And, and then for a majority open. of that game, not a majority, I'm, I'm being honest, Tampa Bay had that under they had it under control. I was like, oh, no fly zone. Like, they knew. I was like three and out from Jared Goff and company. I'm like, oh, boy, this could be bad. And then they figured it out and it opened up. Same with uh, uh, Lamar Jackson in the early game. Uh, against the Texans. I was like, oh my God, he's not getting to the outside. Then he did, and everything changed. Well, I think a big reason for that is also quietly Tampa Bay is really good against the run, so they they had to try and do things through the air. All right, it's time for Call of the Game, sponsored by Xfinity. The Xfinity 10G network is made for streaming live sports, which means it's the network you can rely on in the biggest moments. The Xfinity 10G network, the best way to stream your Warriors. The night started with some tears with some joy and celebrating a life that was cut far too short with Coach Decky. A lot of emotion to start this night for the Golden State Warriors. It's been a very, very tough week. And after eight days, they got back to doing what they love to do, which is play NBA basketball. They have come away with a win. 
That was Tim Roy on the call last night. The final call of the Warriors' 134-112 victory against the Atlanta Hawks. Obviously a very emotional evening for the Golden State Warriors. You want to do dig in into that on the other yep. side, specifically the pregame and, of course, the game itself. Jonathan Kaminga had a big night as the Warriors defeat the Atlanta Hawks in their first time back on the court in nearly, in fact, over uh, a week. So we'll get into that on the other side as we continue on. Also, some 49ers coming up. Uh, of course, Debo Samuel, limited participant in practice earlier today. I do want to dig into something else that kind of caught my ear from Kyle Shanahan's press conference yesterday and also what Dan Campbell had to say about the 49ers themselves. We'll, we'll get into that and more. But next, we do need to devote some time to the Warriors and what they did last night because... It was an emotional victory, and I think an important one for Golden State. Evan Giddings in for Matt Steinmetz with Daryl the Guru Johnson. We're back after this on 95.7 The Game. The Road to Vegas is brought to you by Merrill West Credit Union, working for you today, tomorrow, together. Now, back to Steiny and Guru on 95.7 The Game. <laughs> Big laughing at. I'm laughing at you. A film on Mike, Operation Lion Tamer. I like that. I don't. Yeah, why, I love why, your mic, but I had to read us my dog. Lion Tamer. I have seen some people coming down the Lions Road. What there was a uh, uh, 49ers going lion hunting. They're looking for a big cat this weekend. I like big cat. <laughs> okay. What about the, well, they do have the small bear. Of course, Nick Bosa plays for the 49ers. Yeah, I I don't think the 49ers are going to need a harpoon to take down the, the, uh, the Lions. Like I, This is a game that, that San Francisco is, is favored for a reason, and a caller brought it up a little bit earlier, but if you just kind of go down the positions, like they have advantages in, in most spots. Okay. Stylistically, there are things that Detroit can do to make things difficult, and you certainly pay them their respect for being in this position, Goo. Uh, but I do want to table that for, for a All sec, right. because, okay. you know, we, we just heard a little bit before the break, uh, you know, the final call from last night's game for the Warriors, and they beat the Atlanta Hawks 134-112, you know, put, put the game away late. But it was it was an extremely emotional game for the Warriors, and they had a really just heartfelt, emotive, and really wonderful pregame honoring of Dayan Milojevic. And mm-hmm. you know they played this kind of montage of with his sound overlaid and the positivity emanating from it. They showed the scenes from Serbia where the two teams that he had played for and coached for honored him for over five minutes with a standing ovation. Fans did so again at Chase Center last night, and Steve Kerr stepped to the mic and basically took it on his shoulders. Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, you saw them crying before the game, and then the Warriors went out and, and they beat the Hawks. And it was it was a really, really nice way to welcome a team back that, uh, you know, quite honestly, hadn't been playing great basketball, a rock-bottom point of the season, and then a coach tragically passes away. I watched the game last night, honestly, without a pen, without a pencil, didn't take any notes. 
I was happy to see the Warriors out there just back on the court. And that haven that Steve Kerr mentioned to, to Dibs and FP a couple of days ago on this station, it looked like it. It looked like a place for them to escape uh, a very dark place, and for them to go out and do what they did, Goo, I just I want to give them a round of applause yeah. because I, I can't imagine being in that position, and not just to go out and win, but but to go out and play and to play with a joy that I'm sure has been very difficult to find in the last week. No doubt, and Evan, that was well said. And kudos to the Warrior players and organization, and even the fans. Everybody was that was in the building. Um, I didn't know what to expect. You know, from a selfish standpoint, I'm sitting there watching. Uh, I'm I'm feeling melancholy because I know it's serious and and what he meant, and to see everybody that he was in contact with. But Evan, this is just me, and I don't know if I'm wrong here. But you know when. I see his family, I see mine, you know, and I just think like, man, this is this is so heavy. And there was one warrior player, I forget his name, that said they that this has taught them um that they will not take even the games for granted any longer. And and that that kind of hit me. But I mean, just to to see the obvious raw emotion it was like, man, they got to go out there and work and, and play a basketball game and, and try to be normal when you know they're hurting. Um, kudos, man, because I don't, I don't think I could have done it. And I heard the guys this morning just uh, just capture the moment, too, from how they felt watching it. But I will say this, Evan, there, there are things called angels in our world, if you believe in them. And I'm watching the Warriors play basketball after the beautiful ceremony and, and thoughtful words. Um, I do wonder now if there's an at ease to this to this process uh, when you talk about attacking the rest of the season and and, and being professionals and trying to to honor this man, uh, Dayon. So I'm eager to see the game tonight because I know you know the guys still have heavy hearts and they're going to have it for the rest of the season. But Evan, could you imagine if somehow? You know, and I know a lot of people probably don't want to hear this, but if somehow a week from now, or if I see you Monday after handling business against SAC, um, the Lakers coming to town on Saturday, if we're talking about maybe, you know, four or five and five or six and them doing it to honor their guy, and they're doing that just by showing up and playing, but if somehow this has got them to kind of you know what? It ain't that important. We know what's important. A family a member of ours is gone. His family is hurting. We're hurting. And kind of just taking that approach of, you know what? This all could be gone tomorrow, which we've all experienced. You know, I lost my mother and everybody has somebody that they could think of. So when the Warriors lost their brother, I am kind of, I don't know, is it, um, it's kind of renewed my not, oh, they lost the game or they're down 20. It's almost just cherishing the opportunity to watch the Warriors play, if that makes any sense. No, I'm with you. And, you know, I appreciate you sharing yeah. all that you do with the listeners and, and, of course, with me off the air. But I think the Warriors, they needed a reset, and that's the wrong kind of reset. But it looked like last night they were a team that was, wow. that was ready to get back out there. Wow. That was... You know, and, and I felt so bad. Like his family was there, his was it, his oh daughter, his son, his wife was there, and they were showing them before the game. Heaven. And from it to go from that point, from tears to 
at the 9:20 mark in the fourth quarter when Kaminga, who was incredible, eleven last of eleven, night, yeah, tied a franchise record with Chris Mullen. Anytime you're in a conversation with him, you're doing some great Mullen. things. And it was the little pick six he got in transition, goes in for I, the I know dunk. What you're Time out, yeah. Atlanta. To go from the pregame ceremony where there are tears in abundance from everyone to Steve Kerr, they're panning to him on the sideline after Atlanta calls a timeout, and he's smiling, and he's laughing, and the Warriors are playing with joy again. It was really cool to see from it to go from the place it had been to the place where we hope it can now go and get to, which is back to basketball, not forgetting what happened, but... Like you're talking about, ideally, you know, using it as motivation from a personal standpoint, Man. and and being able to just ta- channel it in a positive in a, a positive way. Yeah, no doubt. And Evan, you you harped on it with seeing his kids and his family. Man, that that was thug tears were were abound. And you know, now I just you know, you know I, I'm trying to think of the player. I don't know if it was one of the uh, the reporters that talked about. I, and it hit me only because of, you know, man, they're looking at just this opportunity to play this beautiful game of basketball. They're not even taking that for granted. And unfortunately, like you said, Evan, you don't want what happened to go down for you to look at it through a different prism. But that, that that's human life. It's human nature. And right now, uh, what they put on as an organization, as a league, um, the fans yesterday was special. And I just, again, my heart ached for for all his family members and everybody that came in contact with him. And that was everybody in the building, uh, the players and the coaches, Evan. So we'll see. And guess what? They got a game. They got to go back there and play a back-to-back tonight. Now, some might do. be like, you know what, Guru, that might be a good thing. I, I don't know from a basketball standpoint, but um, – they did their brother well, man, because that was well done. Yeah, and I don't want to make it about honoring him through wins and losses. Yeah. Like you honored them with with the effort and, and how you play, and he's a big part of of the Warriors the last three seasons. Of course, was a part of their 2022 championship, and has been a big part of the Warriors family and really the the NBA family, both international yeah. and here in America. So, you know, it's it's not going to be easy. And and look, you know, the Warriors are, are still a team, and I'm sure we'll get into it as we move forward. There's not a lot of time before the deadline, but a couple of trades have been made around the rest of the NBA. Are they a team that needs to still make improvements? Are they a team that can internally get better? Can they play plus 500 basketball the rest of the way? They have to if they want to make the playoffs because right now they're still three games below 500. But, you know, it, it puts into perspective, you know, just how important Life actually is, and the Warriors are a great escape. It, like it, it just had me re- kind of reminded yesterday, like why I watch sports as much as I do. Mm. You know, it's sports. I think I heard it defined when I was a kid as an escape, right? An escape from reality. That's mine. Well, for me, it's a part of my life. I mean, it's what we do every single day for four hours, right? We talk sports. Yeah. Sports are intertwined with our reality. And I think they are for a lot of people, both that listen to the show, that chime in on on YouTube, on our text line, that call in each and every day. They call in because sports are, like, you walk hand-in-hand with it. And 
to see the Warriors be able to balance that aspect of things that you know we get to kind of cover on a daily basis with the harsh reality that is their guy not being around anymore to, to hold their hand through what they do on a day-to-day basis was a reality check for me. And that's why when I was watching the game, I wasn't I didn't have any big takeaway from last night. You know, Kaminga was awesome, and the Warriors made 50% of their threes, and that's all well and good. But I'm not sitting up here talking X's and O's today because... It didn't really matter. They they won the game and it was and it was emotional and it was impressive and it was fun to get back to watching the Warriors do what we have always loved watching them do, which is play basketball. And that was the reality check that I kind of got last yeah. night. And I'll tell you what, I didn't have the phone in my hand, um, Evan. Um, I was numb. I was numb to normally I want to. Oh my gosh, this happened or that happened about said game, and and you go out on X and and you, and you type it, you type how you're feeling, but none of that was even. I like yesterday was just off limits. It was just I was watching the guys um, come together, and they did that during these eight days off, Evan, uh, morning, um, trying to get to this point to where they could, you know. Stomach playing a forty-eight minute basketball game, but I'm I'm with you. The word I use is numb. I was numb to the normal, you know, reactionary phase of me watching the game and it coming down. He did this or that. It was just I was watching. I knew guys were hurting, and they put their best foot forward to try to get through it. And it'll probably be that way again tonight, Evan. I'm sure it will be. Tom's in Sonoma was at the game last night. Wants to chime in. Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero is the number. What's up, Tom? You're on ninety five seven. The game. Hey, guru. Hey, Evan. How you guys doing, man? Hey, hey. Good, man. How are you? Hey, never, never seen a game with so many emotions, man. I mean, I laughed, I cried, I, I was excited. Uh, what a class organization the Warriors are to give Coach Malivovich uh, a send-off, man. I mean, that was really special. Uh, I feel this was the best game the Warriors played all year. Um, I seen Wiggins, man, play his best game. He didn't score a lot of points, but he was aggressive on the offense and the defense. I loved the way he played. Um, I'm going to tell you, man, Kaminga, we've seen this guy grow up right in front of our eyes. This was his best game in his NBA career. Um, he would have had 12 for 12 if Draymond didn't smoke that ball underneath the basket for a dunk. He would have went 12 for 12. Think about that. Hey, Guru, man. Uh, always love talking to you, man. Evan, you guys have a wonderful Thanks, day. Buddy. Thank you for letting me speak. And uh, I, I, I look forward to talking to you guys in the future, man. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. yeah, I mean Tom Randall. The list, uh, uh, a bunch of emotions, and he wasn't the only one. Yeah, and they're going to have to load up again tonight against a uh, you know, pretty good Sacramento team. They got another game in a couple of days against the Lakers, and we're going to see this team, you know, start getting back into to basketball and try to figure this season out, which has not been going in the in the right direction for them. But but to his point, he felt like that was their best game of the season, and I I can't necessarily blame him. Uh, Especially with the way that it started, just how beautiful the intro was, yeah. the pregame ceremony, and then the beautiful brand of basketball that they played last night. You just hope that that can continue. Yeah, no doubt. And um, Evan, I guess maybe by Saturday I'll start to ponder or wonder if this team by the 8th of February 
if if this is the team that you know it will be or will it look different uh i know i don't want to ask you now where you at on that but you know that that deadline is looming and i i do wonder you know with the things that have transpired do you kind of just keep it together and let these guys you know see how far they can go or what they can accomplish well, if, if we can get serious for a moment, the, the, if we're talking about trades, the one guy I don't want is DeJounte Murray. Uh, at, I'm I mean, sorry. was that on display last <laughs> I'm night? I'm sorry. And Watching the Hawks talent, last night, man, I, just, Evan, I can't do it. He, and here I go, oh, you goo, you just snapped out of it. But, I mean, dude's a talented dude, but he, he's just he's a jag, just a guy, man. They were talking about the asking price for him being a, you know, a rotation player and two first-round yeah, picks. And there's no me, chance. Uh, especially not for no Kaminga. No, and, yeah. and I think from what we've seen around the rest of the NBA, and this might also be a little deflating as well. There's no big boy that's being moved. Like there's just no trade market right Siakam now. I think was a, the last one, and, and even he might not be a big boy for a lot of people. I think Indiana likes having him, but I don't know how much he moves the needle. I don't know how much he would move the needle if he's in Golden State. So, look, the Warriors got a, a much needed victory last night. A much needed, I don't know, just performance uh, to get back out there and get back to doing what they know best getting back into the professional aspect of things and hopefully trying to, as much as they can, yeah. I'm not saying that everyone's going to be able to immediately or everyone's going to move at, at their own speed. The only thing that I tweeted out last night, Goo, is that Steve Kerr's the man. I mean, he just he's just the man. Listening to him speak in front of 20,000 people, I don't know if he had to do that or if he chose to do it, uh, but just to listen to the way that he has dealt with all of this since it's happened has been... It's been inspirational, honestly. I, I, I mean what I'm about to say, and I've said it on these airways before. If that man ran for office, Evan, I could see it happening, and I would vote for him. There's been so many tragedies throughout our uh, society, and he's never not once afraid. I mean, not asked, he'll volunteer what's on his mind and what should be done and what, you know. And I just appreciate that raw and uncut honesty and his voice, uh, his mannerisms just meet the moment. Um, I'm a Steve Kerr fan. The, the basketball aspect of it, and also just the man and and who he is as a dad and a husband or whatnot. But I appreciate Steve Kerr. I wish we had more of him, man. Yeah, so a really nice win for the Warriors last night. Looking forward to seeing what they do tonight against the Sacramento Kings. Again, 7 o'clock tip. You can hear all the action live on 95.7 The Game. Warriors live an hour before. Uh, talked about the... the, the the kind of sound that, that caught my ear from the press conference over the last couple of days. And and specifically, Goo, as we get back into the 49ers, it, it came from Dan Campbell because we talked to Mike Martz, was the OC for him earlier, discussed the, the aggressive nature of Campbell. He's a hard-hitting type of tight end, a hard-hitting, certainly a head coach, a, a physically imposing type of figure. And you can Steel. kind of see it in yeah. his in his coaching style. Especially with you know opposite up uh, against Kyle Shanahan, but here's what he had to say. Uh, it does a does a, a hit, of course, with uh, their their flagship out of Detroit. Here's according to Dan Campbell, the biggest challenge for Detroit against the Niners. That's easy. It's the distractions. That's the easiest one. All right, it, getting ready for these guys is not going to be hard. Knowing what we're getting ready to face, the type of team they are. We already know it's a hard-nosed team. It's a, it, I mean, these are, to me, we're two juggernauts that are just going to be swinging at each other. 
It's not that. It, it's all the other stuff. It's all the interview requests. It's all the, hey, you're, you look at all the plays you made in this game. You are the best player on their team. What are you going to do this week? Don't you think you need the ball more? Don't you think you need more opportunities for sacks? Don't you think you, they need to blitz you more? Hey, will you come over here and let's do this GQ shoot? So it's all the distractions. And as long as we block those out and just stay on course, we'll be fine. That's the challenge, though, right? I mean, the Niners put you in a compromised position where you have to choose what distracts you and what doesn't. He's talking about, like, yes, throughout the week there are distractions, but in the game, all that pre-snap motion, all that window dressing, it's meant to have you looking back and say, that's what we should have done, but in the moment, you can't stop it. Right, and I'm a, I'm a, I like Campbell, I respect him, but I, I, again, he knows more football than I, but hearing that, I, I would say, dude, you, you got it wrong. You got a problem on the field come Sunday. That's the pack that you need to be worried about, and I do get what he's saying about um, the distractions, but the, the reality is, for your team to come in here and pull off an upset, you got to stop McCaffrey, Debo, if he plays in the rest of this Niner offense and and you know have an offense be able to 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 cut up or carve a Niner stout defense. So to me in my world, from my vantage point, Evan, that is way more difficult than the GQ stuff and the this or that. I mean, obviously he disagrees, but it's about talent and beating the man in front of you. And right now, he put himself, like he said, that's the easy part. So he's thinking his team, and I get it, is as good as the Niners. I don't. So that's the part I don't think you can manipulate or that gap you can bridge by Sunday. Maybe you can. You'll shock the world. But all that other stuff you were talking about, oh, if we just, you know, if we just focus and watch the film and, and not worry about our touches, the game will be closed. Nah, I don't believe that to be the case, and that's what I heard him say, that that's more what he's worried about. Well, and I don't want to put words in your mouth. It sounds like you think he's kind of calling him soft. Yeah. The 49ers. Uh, that I didn't get. I just I, I got him thinking that his team is as good as the Niners, like equally good. See, I, I took away from that he's calling the 49ers a, a finesse team. Like the reason why they're as good as they are is because – of how distracting they can be and how how many problems they pose on the due field. to the distractions on the field, not because of how damn good they are, like their talent. What? I mean, so I, like I, I mean, to to me when I when I hear that, it, I don't know if it, if it sounds disrespectful to for, to Forty ers fans, but you know, I I'd be more worried about the fact that they got seven All-Pros, that they got a quarterback that's been one of the most efficient passers in the history of the NFL in terms of a single season. I'd be more worried about you know the fact that Kyle Shanahan's been putting up 30 points on the regular, especially yeah, at home. No doubt. The fact that you guys have lost the majority of your home games when you've been outside of the Dome. Like, there are bigger problems to me that, that are posed as opposed to the distractions. Right. No, I'm with you, and that's what... And the uncanny part of this to me was the fact that he kind of said, I'm not even worried about on the field, you know, and what problems they, they uh, present. We're, as, we're equally as good as the Niners. And that's the part that caught me like, well, one, I, you can feel that way. No, you're not. And two, if you think it's just about not worrying about your touches and 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 getting prepared for the game and that's going to get you over the hump and, and beat this team, I nah. I, I think you're. I think you're looking at that wrong, Campbell. Now here's what Kyle Shanahan had to say about his 
his opposition and the Lions' offense. He's a really good football player, um, and they Common get him the ball in a number of different ways. So there's no way to just cover a guy. You don't just say cover him in man, cover him in zone. It's it's about defending the team and the scheme. And when you do that, uh, usually make it harder for a good player too. And um, if you don't, their scheme gets going. They run the ball well. They throw the ball, whatever it is. And you're just trying to defend both. And then you're going to get a guy like that good looks. And when you get a guy like that good looks, it's similar to when you get guys like that we have good looks. It's not easy to stop. Yeah, he's talking about Amara St. Brown, who's a first-team All-Pro yeah. receiver. Yeah, that that's the guy. Like, well, it's funny too because I think coming into this game, everyone would say, "Oh, well, the focus has got to be the run, right?" That's what Detroit wants Two-headed to do. Starts monster. on the ground. Yeah, Montgomery and, and Gibbs. You think Amara St. Brown's a bigger threat in the passing game than say Brandon Ayuk? I would say yes. I would say yes. And the only reason I say that is we just watched a playoff game where Brandon Ayuk was damn near invisible uh, up until the third and five play. And I'm not saying that was his fault. I'm just, I don't know where he was. But when I watch Detroit play football, win or lose, St. Brown's going to be a big part of it. And he had eight targets, eight catches for 77 yards, I believe, last week. So they're going to try to throw it to him. And I think the two-headed, the running game, they go hand in hand. I can, like, I'm just envisioning what Aaron Jones was able to do on the ground in the Packers. If Detroit's able to have that success on the ground, the play action pass to Laporta, um, to St. Brown, and they're not five yard out routes. I mean, these are like chunk plays, Evan. So that scares me from a, a defensive standpoint from San Francisco 49ers and Wilkes and company. So we'll see. But if you're asking me, do I think St. Brown is better than Ayuk? No, but I think he's featured more in his offense for damn sure. I don't think it'd be disrespectful to say St. Brown is better than Ayuk. Yeah. But I do think you're right that Detroit has found a better way to get the ball into yeah. his hands, certainly than, than Brock Purdy and, and Shanahan's offense did last weekend. Like three catches for Brandon Ayuk to me is... Man, like I know he... we're slicing up the math, but to me that's not enough. If he, he's... He is your best receiver, and especially with missing Debo Samuel for most of that game. I know if he's out there this weekend, you know you got yeah touches to to kind of pass up and to distribute. But Brandon Ayuk has to be a much more frequent part of the game plan this week to me. Number one because that's how good he is, but number two because this Lions' weakness is their secondary, kind of like same way the Niners' weakness is their secondary. You can beat them through the air. Baker had 349 on him, and if he can do that, Purdy should be able to do that and more. Yes, he did. All right, when we return, we're going to discuss something. Look, the AP awards and the candidates came out today, and there's a lot of 49ers, as you might expect. But I'm curious, we're going to talk about who you think has the best chance to bring home hardware. Not saying they will, but if you look at the MVP, OPOY, Coach of the Year, we got 49ers up and down the list. It came out earlier today. I'm curious what you guys think. Who has the best chance to bring home hardware as the 49ers get set for the Detroit Lions on Sunday, 3.30 kick? Evan Giddings in for Matt Steinmetz alongside Daryl the Guru Johnson. Also a reminder, you can catch all four hours of Stein and Guru on the free Odyssey app, plus watch us on YouTube and Twitch, powered by First NorCal Credit Union.